Welcome back to season three of the Sex Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen DeWitt, and this season, we're going to be doing a deep dive on what it takes to remove the taboo that's been there for too long. We're going to strive to normalize these conversations and seek out those places where these conversations can be so helpful and transformative. We're going to rethink kink and everything that comes along with it. Let's go. I'm excited to be with you every second Tuesday. A new episode drops where I'm going to be doing deep dives into the questions that are burning there for you. And this week, it is no different. I had some brave people show up, ask some questions that would really make a difference in their life if they had an answer. And so I have a question for you. What is it that's holding you back? What are you stuck with? What are you frustrated with? What are you resisting? And how can I help you? I am here to help you. If you need to reach out, please do. There'll be a link down below. There's also a link to my sex menu if you haven't downloaded that. It is my most sought after tool that I've created and very, very popular. So check that out and enjoy this week's edition of the Sex Life Unleashed podcast. So question number one, while I've had five former partners besides my boyfriend slash fiance, I've only had outer course with them. So no penetrative sex. My fiance has had two former partners where he has been intimately sexual with them. So I'm thinking that he's had like penetrative sex intercourse. While it's great that we can communicate these things without hesitation, I have started feeling that I am an amateur because I had never known anything beyond intercourse other than with him. Are my sexual experiences slash adventures not on par with my fiance since his experiences are better than mine? I do understand that my body count or partners I have had is more than him, but it's outer course. Am I being silly and immature and overthinking this? Great question. I'm going to break this apart because there's a lot going on here. First of all, you're not silly or immature. Anybody who has the courage to ask me questions is something that's important in your life. And you're on your own unique sexual journey. So if this is a question that makes sense to you, it's not silly or immature, right? It's a question that's there. And that's why I'm here to educate you and share some of my wisdom and my thoughts. So don't worry about it. Don't make yourself feel wrong. So let's look. So your partner has had penetrative sex with two people. Well, three people, including yourself, and you've had one. In, in, in the realm of sexual partners, that's not a ton of people. Sure, it's more than you, but it's not like he's had 200 sexual partners and you have had penetrative sex with him, right? So it's not like you're both still learning and growing and expanding, right? So again, the numbers part, I don't want to get hung up on it, but it's not a big disparity in my opinion. It says, are my sexual experience adventures not on par with my fiance since his experiences are better than mine? We don't know that. Your partner may have had penetrative sex and it may have been bad sex. You don't know, right? Now your partner may be like, hey, it's great. But what I bet you don't know is asking the people that he had sex with if it was great. So we don't know if it was a great sexual experience for both parties. And again, I would invite you not to compare yourself with other people. When you use the word body count, I'm like, oh my God. I remember when I first heard that, someone was like, what's your body count? And I'm probably dating myself, but Ice Cube, no, Ice T had a song called Body Count. I think he had an album called Body Count. So I'm thinking, I'm like, I haven't killed anybody. Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, that's how many people you had sex with. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a 
a terrible term body count because you don't kill people. You have amazing connections. You have amazing sex with them and you share amazing experience with them. Anyways, bit of a rant. So the only thing that matters is how you and your partner are feeling and how you're connecting. If your partner's like, I've had more penetrative sex than you. And like, he's like holding that over your head, then like that would be a problem. And that's him being, you know, a loser. So you probably have a conversation with him. Now, that's not what you said. And hopefully that's not the situation, but your sexual journey is different than his. And it's going to be that for anybody in the world, our sexual journey, the number of partners that we've had, the good sex, the bad sex is all going to be unique. What only matters is that the two of you are connecting and that you're having good sex and you are unique individual. So the other two people that he have had, he's had sex with are nothing like you. You may have the same body parts as them or may not, but just because you have the same body parts doesn't mean you respond sexually the same way. The things that turn you on are the same. The things that turn you off are the same. The level of intimacy, the level of connection, the level of love, the level of vulnerability, that is all unique and separate for you. And for anybody else who's listening, you know, that's that's for everybody. It's not like, oh, like a, you know, a doll factory that like spits out the exact same replica time and time again. No, I always tell people, I don't care how much sex you've had before and how many partners that you've had before. It's thinking about that person that you're connecting with, that you're naked with in the most physical sense of the word, that person that you're discovering with and that is that priority and connecting with and and not being like oh well my last partner like this or my last 10 partners said i was this no it's about what's going on between you and your partner so i wouldn't get hung up that you're the first person your your partner is the first person that you've had penetrative sex with and that he's had sex with two other people penetrative sex with two other people beforehand it's cool if it's cool for the two of you that's all that matters so let's jump into question number two. Okay. Why? Oh, so this was interesting because people put a, this person who asked a question, put emojis in. So why do some orgasms cause, and then did the, like the crying emoji and some cause the happy face emoji. And so I don't know if it was like tears I think is the crying one and the other one is like I don't know if that's laughter or joy or humor but like maybe just like tears and then really happy feelings is there anything physiologically different in the orgasm it's a really great question and I get this often it's like how come when I come I cry afterwards. And then this person's asking, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel really great afterwards. And those tears necessarily don't have to be sad tears or bad tears. They can just be tears. So when you are connecting with someone sexually and you experience an orgasm, that is, I've, I've heard it described in so many ways, like that moment that you are closest to God, where you are your most vulnerable, where you are your most cracked open. You're not thinking about anything. You're not up in your head worried about how you look or what's going on necessarily for your partner. You're just in your state of bliss. And when you are that cracked open, when you are that vulnerable, that is an access for emotions to come up for you. And it can be a very beautiful cathartic thing to get that out. 
And it could be just having a stressful day. It could be you got a sick kid and you're like been taking care of them for two weeks. And it's just like all this stuff. It could be difficult things at work or it could be deeper things. It could be sexual trauma. It could be that realm of things. But when you're with someone that you're really connected with, you have that safe space to let those emotions out. And so I would say rather than orgasm itself and something physiologically different, I would say it's more so psychologically. Where are you at psychologically? What needs to be released? And that orgasm is that kind of that crack that that allows you to crack open and allows what's naturally there to come out. So it's nothing to worry about. And hopefully you have a partner that is wonderful about that. And it's not necessarily that they get weirded out about that. But it's, yeah, it's a normal thing. It's a healthy thing. And it's just part of your natural expression after having an orgasm. And again, that's going to be different for everybody. Some people may cry every single time they orgasm. Some people may never cry after they have an orgasm. Some people may at one point in their life go through a phase where it is. It's all unique and different for you. But great question. And thank you for asking. Question number three. I love this. So quite, oh, this is all. Oh, I had to do some work. And this was one of the questions that I had to be like, I don't know that one. And I'm going to do a little bit of digging. So it says, I'm active with someone I'm related to, but distantly, second cousin. I wanted to know if we took our relationship forward, like marriage, baby, etc., if it will affect any way because we're related. We haven't come out to others and are discreet in our relations. Also, if it is healthy to be in such a relationship, I feel confused, but I'm very much attracted to her and enjoy great sex. Okay, let's dig into this. And I want to look at this in three different ways. So there's the legal, there's the health, and there's the stigma. Okay, so those are the three areas we're going to talk about. So legally, and again, I don't know what part of the world that you're in, but you want to look up the legality of it. Now, your second cousin, so second cousins are people that share great grandparents. And you want to just check legally wherever you are in the world that that is legal. So there are some places in the world where I know first cousins, it's not legal to be married, but second cousins, that's more of a gray area. So the first thing that you want to look at is be like, hey, is this something that legally works for us? kissing cousins was something that I heard growing up. In some parts of the world, 20 to 60% of all marriages are between close biological relatives. And there are specific communities like I'm in Canada and in the States where cousin marriages are common. So there's the legal side of things we talked about. Then you want to think about the health side of things. And what is the genetic overlap if I'm having sex with my second cousin and we have a baby, right? So we want to be avoiding any kind of inherited disorder that you may have and your partner may have and that gets passed on to the baby or any birth defects. One of the things that you want to go get done is make sure that you go and do some genetic testing, right? Or what is also called genetic counseling. So you want to sit down with someone who is an expert in this area, and they're going to do all the genetic testing. They're going to go a thorough medical history if you want to conceive with your second cousin. Okay. So get that genetic counseling, make sure it's legal in the place that you live. Now, 
There's also the world of stigma. And stigma often in the realm of sex and sexuality, especially if it's outside of the quote unquote norm. If it's outside of that norm, there is going to be stigma. It's like, oh, how did you meet each other at a family reunion? Like, I, you know, like, how do you deal with that stuff? Like, people are going to judge and people are going to maybe gossip behind your back and that world of things. Now, in anything when it comes to sex, there are people are going to judge you, whatever that looks like. And if you are solid in who you are and confident in the relationship that you have with your partner, regardless of what that is, that's going to translate really powerfully and really effectively to the people that you're talking to, right? So in my world, kink is a big part of my life. I identify as a dom and love exploring in that realm of things. When people hear that, that for some people is weird, strange. They have all these ideas of what that is and the way society and media has portrayed that and all this other kind of stuff. So then there has been judgment that, that comes back, but I am so rock solid in who I am that I'm I'm unfuckable with. Like no one's gonna make me feel any way and I'll educate people and I'll challenge people's thoughts and beliefs around that. And if they're being disrespectful, I will shut them down. Right. So that's a place for you to hang out and get really confident and solid in who you are and what actually works for you. And when you can speak from a place of power, you're unfuckable with. Right. So I hope that's helpful. This question came in through Instagram, actually. How can one sustain longer erections naturally? All right. Naturally is the keyword here. Because I think most of us are familiar with pharmaceutically enhanced erections. So we're talking about like Cialis, Viagra, that kind of stuff. So how can one sustain longer erections naturally? So exercising regularly, being in shape can help that blood flow to the penis and reduce stress. So something to do is get out there and, and exercise, move your body. Movement is so, so important. The next one is eat a healthy diet, fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, Again, those are things that you want to focus on. If there's a lot of high fatty foods, high salty foods, like junk foods in your diet, that's not going to do a ton for that blood flow and helping with those erections. Reduce stress. Stress is a massive boner killer. Like, I don't know about you, but I own a penis. And if I'm stressed out or if I got a bunch of stuff on my mind, like sex is the last thing that I'm thinking about. And sometimes if I try and force the issue, my penis is like, no, not today. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I don't get stressed out because I talk about this a lot, but I think about, it and I'm like, oh yeah, like my mind, I'm not actually present. I'm stressed. I'm worried about all this other kind of stuff that's going on. So if you can reduce the level of stress, if that's yoga, if that's meditation, if that's breathing to bring your stress levels down, that's going to help you maintain your erection longer. Also, Sleep, getting enough sleep. You want to make sure that you're getting the proper amount of rest in your body. So again, there's no like magic pill that I'm like, oh, you should do this kind of push up, and then your erections are going to last longer naturally. Some things to eliminate if you smoke or if you drink, those are going to be things that are going to impact your erections, blood flow, things of that nature. So, and again, if you want to do that in moderation, cool. But if you're doing it in excess, like whiskey dick is a thing. Another thing that I want to, to offer you is thinking about sex that isn't so focused on penetrative sex. So diversifying your sexual repertoire 
can take the pressure off yourself to be like, oh my God, my penis has to be erect for X number of minutes or whatever. Like in porn, there's this narrative. You watch that as like, oh, my penis has got to be rock hard for 45 minutes or an hour. Those are professional actors and there's a lot of editing that goes into that. And there's, I would assert, a lot of pharmaceutical support in the erection department. Porn is not an accurate depiction of what sex looks like. So when you can take some time off, not just focusing on penetrative sex and then you orgasm, and then naturally there's uh, what's called a refractory period where your penis kind of softens and then takes a while to get erect again. So if you can prolong that and use other kind of things or toys or get really creative, you could enjoy that as well. Those are my penis and erection support erection support answer so i like that one all right here is my fifth question many men claim that they spent two hours on sex is this correct or just claiming it depends on what their definition of sex is now if their definition of sex is penetrative sex I would probably say that's not the case. Now, if it's over maybe a 12-hour period, but if it's two hours straight, that's probably not ideal, right? So we got to think about penetrative sex, and I'm going to like talk about P and V sex. There's going to be a natural point where you get tired. There's going to be a natural point if the natural lubrication in your vaginal canal dissipates, and then it's painful, and it's not super comfortable. Now, sure, you can add in lube. You can support lubrication that way, so there's less friction that I'm going to generalize and say that people who own penises generally over-exaggerate to make themselves look better as sexual partners and better as potential lovers. Now, having said that, I don't know the person that you were talking to. Maybe they have some crazy stamina. Maybe they are in their 20s or late teens and they can maintain that and they have a partner who lubricates a ton or they use lots of lube and they are actually having penetrative sex for two hours. I don't know the person, but I'm talking about generally speaking, that's not the case. Now, if sex is many different things, and there's many different ways to connect sexually, and if you want to explore those things, there's a link in my bio. Uh, if you're joining by Instagram, it's called a sex menu, and you can download your sex menu, and you can go through all the different ways that you can connect that aren't penetrative sex, which can be really helpful, and you can share that with a partner as well. But you can have sex for four, five, six hours, where there's lots of different things and ebbs and flows to it, and you are still sexually connected, and you still have that beautiful sexual energy, and it doesn't look like penetrative. The sixth question that I have is tips for femme doms having sex with male subs. So tips for femme doms. So I'm going to say female identified dom having sex with male identified sub. Any tips? Oh, so I don't think gender is really part of the, the issue or plays a part in this. For anybody who's exploring consensual power exchange, there's... I mean, I could do a whole live on this. Maybe, hmm. maybe I'll do a like a workshop or a, a masterclass on this because I get a lot of these questions like, how do you do this? How do you start off? So first of all, lots of communication. Find out 
what you guys like, find out what you guys don't like. If you haven't downloaded the sex menu, go get a sex menu, download that. It's on my website. It's on my Instagram page. Next, lots of communication around what are your safe words? You're going to have a safe word for stop. You're going to have a safe word for slow down. And both of you can have those safe words, right? You're going to talk about aftercare. What do you need afterwards to feel really connected, right? It could be right after that you guys connect sexually and the next day a check-in would be lovely, right? What are your triggers? What are the things that could happen that take you out of a sexual headspace? It could be a way that you're touched or something that they say. And what are your boundaries? What are your hard boundaries? And what are your soft boundaries? So hard boundaries are like a F no, that's not what I'm doing ever. And a soft boundary is like maybe at some point in the future. But going through that and having lots of communication before and have communication during, right? And it could be hot. It could be like, do you like that? Do you want more of that? Do you like it when mommy does this to you or your mistress does this to you? Whatever it is, right? You can have it hot and you can consistently be able to check in with them. Also, if you're using anything for impact play, so you're going to spank them, you want to hit them and then ask them on a scale of one to 10, 10 being extreme, one being easy, what was that? And they're going to say that was a two and be like, great, what do you want to experience today? And they're going to say a six or a one or whatever. So now you have a gauge of where you're at. Generally speaking, you're going to start slowly, take baby steps. Don't jump right into it. Be like, oh my God, I saw this. I'm going to tie you up and put a ball gag in and use a violet wand and electrostimulation on your balls. No, slow down, take your time, enjoy yourself. Check in with your partner, lots of communication ahead, lots of communication during, and lots of communication afterwards. So I hope that's helpful. My last question of the day is, how do I navigate kink and non-monogamy with an SDI? There have been tons of times that I've wanted to explore and play openly with others, but not sure how to navigate with herpes, so I don't. Really great question. So let's talk about herpes. Herpes, we talked about stigma earlier. The danger with herpes is mostly stigma. There is such a stigma with herpes. I worked in a sexual health clinic for two and a half years. And the biggest thing was dealing with people who got a diagnosis and they thought their sex life was over. They thought they were dirty. They thought there were people. They thought God was punishing them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the blank. Reality is that's not the case. By the age of, I can't, now you'd have to look at the stats, but the age of like 50, 80% of the population carries the herpes vi virus and 25% of that population is symptomatic. Now I get cold sores. If I'm super run down, super stressed, I get cold sores. I've had them. I got it. I think my mom had them and then my sister has it. So sharing drinking cups. I think I got it when I was like four years old or five years old. That's fine. But holy smokes, if you get that in the nether regions, there's just a ton of stuff that comes with it. So what I'd offer if you're looking at exploring kink and non-monogamy is similar to what I was talking about with the previous person. How do you have conversations and explore and if you want to disclose or not? And again, that is a personal preference and the type of connections, the type of intimacy and the type of relationships that you want to have with someone and your outbreak, how you manage it, all those other kind of things. But if you're disclosing to someone, you want to talk about, hey, what can sex look like that is super hot that either eliminates or reduces the risk of any kind of transmission? So for some people, it's going to be like, yeah, great. If your partner has a penis, great. You're going to use a condom. Cool. Or if it's like, hey, I know that it's an exceptionally low risk, but maybe they have other partners 
you're going to be like, okay, so let's talk about all the hundreds of ways that we can connect that doesn't look like penetrative sex. And there are so many hot, fun scenarios. I say when a door closes, there's a fun, kinky window that opens up in the background somewhere. And when you can have a conversation with someone and they're actually open to that, it is amazing because it forces you not to be lazy and just be like, okay, this is going to be the same kind of hookup or the same type of sex. It's like, no, I want to be like super creative and super hot and super safe at the same time. And you can have amazing sex, amazing pleasure, amazing kink in a way that honors where you're at and where your partner's at. So communicate, get creative and think outside of the box. And that brings this week's episode to an end. I hope you learned something. Oh, maybe that sparked some questions for you. If you do have those questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm here to support you. I am taking one-on-one clients at this time. So if there's something in your life that you're struggling with in your sex life, whether you're single, whether you're having lots of sex, whether you have a partner, wherever you're on in your life, I am here to support you. And remember, The more we understand about ourselves and each other, the less we have to fear, the more love is here. So here's to happy days and living a sex life unleashed.